Good morning. Welcome to Ask Andy. This is a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Andrew Newworth. I wanted to talk to you today about one of the limited tort kind of interesting issues that come up sometimes. And it's not something that, you know, an individual would know about outside of, uh, really outside of personal injury lawyers. So here goes. It's a little weird. Um, one of the requirements of to have a valid limited tort defense by the insurance company is that they have to have these forms that you've signed saying, absolutely, I want to be limited tort, which really nobody, nobody wants to be limited tort if any insurance agent had ever explained it to you properly. So, but a lot of times people just sign whatever they want. They get the cheapest price. They don't really think about the effects. So, you know, what, what is the little fine point that is the issue? So this is the problem. In order for an insurance company to say you are limited tort and to limit you in what you can recover, unless you have a serious physical injury, you, they need to have this form. And it's a legally mandated required form. And it's really just uh, some statutory language and it's part of your insurance policy. So what's the problem? Well, if they don't have the form, they can't say you're limited tort, all of a sudden you're full tort. Okay, well, what? <laughs> how do we find out if they have the form? Well, a lot of times I'll take cases where I, I think people are limited tort just based on my, my, you know, listening to them, or, you know, we find out in the course of, you know, before we actually put the case in the court, we find out that they're limited tort. So the first thing that my paralegal and I usually do is start pestering whoever the insurance company is for what we call the sign-down forms. All right, and I'd say 80% of the time, the insurance companies have the sign-down forms. But in the 20% of times when they don't have the sign-down forms, that's awesome for the client because then they're not limited to it. They're full toward. It totally changes the negotiation posture. It totally changes the case going forward. And it makes the case more valuable just because the insurance company or the agent didn't get the proper form signed. So, you know, why does this happen? Well, like any big organization, you know, the insurance companies are not particularly focused on any individual case. They have forms and they have procedures and they're supposed to be, you know, documenting limited tort. But, And I think this defense will go away from pretty much, you know, today forward because now we have like electronic signatures and DocuSign and all this stuff that's very hard to lose track of if you're an insurance company. But, you know, a lot of people have had policies with the same company for 10 plus years and 10 plus years ago, everything was done with a hand signature. So, you know, this happens particularly often in older cases with people who've been like stalwart, you know, nationwide clients or farmers clients or whatever it is. And so back in the day, when you signed up for your first insurance or you, you know, had a child or you got new insurance, they were supposed to have you sign this particular form. And the particular form has to be in a particular format um, required by state law, et cetera, et cetera. So one, sometimes they can't find the form. And you can, you know, you usually know that as a lawyer, you know that pretty 
quickly if I've asked two or three times they can't find the form. So I'm in the middle of a case getting a case ready to file suit right now and and State Farm I think can't find the form. We keep asking and they they keep you know sending us the insurance policy and we keep asking for the sign down forms and you know I actually had a case that went you know pretty close to trial and we had been asking for years and they still hadn't provided them. So um you know I I think if I'm asking over and over again and I'm not getting the forms, then, you know, there's a decent chance the person's not going to be deemed to be limited tort. Even if they signed a form, if the insurance company can't produce it, that's on them. It's their damn form. So, you know, those forms, as silly as it may seem, like, you know, those forms matter and they change the face of the case. Um, you know, the insurance companies have tried every possible you know, crazy lawyer defense to avoid that situation when they can't produce the forms, but it's pretty straightforward. If they have the forms, you're limited tort. You got to prove serious physical injury. We're serious impairment of a bodily function. Not permanent, not this, not that, just serious impairment for some period of time. But if they don't have the forms, you're good to go. It's a whole different case. So, you know, what happens in that scenario? I've I had this case, I think it finished about six months ago. We were about to pick a jury and the case settled. And the insurance company didn't have the forms. And we had asked for them, asked for them, asked them. And finally, like, about six months before trial, they said, oh, we don't, we can't find them. And I said, oh, well, you know, then you're, she's full tort. And they said, well, we paid you know, she had paid a lower rate to be limited toward for all this time. Therefore, she knew she was limited toward. Therefore, you know, we don't need the forms. And the judge hearing that said, oh, that's nonsense. That's not what the law says. The law is very clear about signing of forms. Okay. So that was, you know, a brief issue in that case, although it was a serious one because it really affected the value of the case. If you're limited toward, you may have to take a lower settlement if you want to settle the case pre-suit. You know, and the jury's going to be told over and over again that you need to show serious impairment of bodily function, and sometimes people can, and sometimes people can't. But a lot of time it's an argument, and you don't know how it's going to turn out. So, you know, there are other situations like that, just to deviate from that for a moment, where, you know, the form matters. <laughs> you know, if you sign a release when you go to um, Get Air or Sky Zone or one of the uh, trampoline parks, or you you sign up a release you sign a release when you're going to go run the Philadelphia Marathon, then the company that has you sign the release they kind of have you by the short hairs proverbially whatever the colloquialism is, but you know they that re those releases are pretty strong. And in Pennsylvania, particularly, they're they're pretty strong. You gotta, you know, as a lawyer, I gotta take a pretty serious look at like, well, is is this the case if there's a a valid signed release? And most of the time, I think you'll find lawyers aren't gonna take a case where there's a valid signed release because the law says, look, you knew what you were doing, you gave up your rights, and that's that. So. But, I mean, I'm in the middle of a case right now with a release, and, and and every release case pretty much has the same kind of question. Was it a valid release? Usually the answer is yes. So why why would, as a lawyer, why would you take the release case? Well, 
same thing as the limited tort. If they can't find the release, you got a different sort of case on your hand. And that's kind of the gamble you're making as the lawyer when you put the case in, you know, in pre-suit, pre-litigation, the insurance companies don't really have to deal honestly with you. We, for some reason, ethically have to deal honestly with them, but they don't have to deal honestly with us as far as I can tell. So they won't tell you if there's a signed document or not. All of a sudden, you get into litigation, there's no signed document. Well, <laughs> then what do you got? Well, on the insurance company side, they're kind of screwed at that point. There's no release, really. Um, it's pretty hard to say there's a release if there's not a release, right? There's something called the uh, best evidence rule in... Uh, you know, I guess Pennsylvania rules of civil procedure, or it's not even a rule of civil procedure, I think it's just a case law. But anyway, it's a rule of evidence. The rule is called the best evidence rule. <laughs> and uh, basically, it says like, if you are going to rely upon a document, you got to have the document. You can't have a, you know, can't say there's a document or suggest there's a document and not have the document. You don't even get to go to a jury and say, oh, there's a release. You know, you just don't because you can't produce the document. Same thing with the limited tort form. Like, hey, look, if you can't produce the limited tort form, you don't have a limited tort claim or defense. Same thing with the release. If you didn't have the signed release, but, you know, the person may have said, oh, maybe I did sign a release, I don't know. If they can't produce the release, they don't have that defense. So, anyway, that's... Um, you know, that's enough about best evidence rule, signed documents, however you want to look at it. But that's the, uh, you know, important thing to remember about forms is sometimes you find out early in litigation that that form is missing and it changes the face of the case. So this podcast is produced by my law firm or supported by my law firm, New Earth Law Office. I'm a personal injury lawyer in the outskirts of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I am broadcasting from my basement home office in the middle of the pandemic as it is. So take care, stay safe, and if you need me, you know where to find me. Like me on Facebook, call me on the internet, call me on the web, call me by phone. That is about it. Have a great day.